He should have had 80. He should have had 80. That's when I'm going to be impressed. Nope, I'm just kidding. Welcome to the PHLY Sixers postgame show right here with Rich Hoffman hanging out. A good time for Derek to take off, huh, Rich? As Joel Embiid drops a franchise record 70 70 on his Monday night over Victor Wembenyama and the San Antonio Spurs. I'm Devon Givens. Bree with us. Kyle Newbeck will join us later live from the arena. All of you in the chat will get to you. Rich, what a night for you to step in here and, and we can get to talk about some hoops, man. How about that one? Devon, uh, first off, I'd like to say happy birthday, Derek. Yes. And, uh, you know, if anybody remembers from November, October, I was the jinx guy. I was the guy who would come in here when they would have their worst performance. What a night, man. I mean, 70 points. I, You know, honestly, coming in here, I thought, okay, this is going to be a fun game, right? We're going to have Embiid against Wembenyama. Um, Sixers are probably going to blow him out. It'll be over by the end of the third quarter. Kind of a ho-hum win. Yep. Nope. They did not blow him out. I mean, they did kind of blow him out, but not to the degree <laughs> that would keep Joel Embiid um, away from setting history. And it was just, just an amazing performance, man. I'm, I'm still... Just in awe of this guy. Yeah, it, it was it was amazing. And, and look, uh, we, we've talked about, and it's funny because Rich and Bree and I, we were all talking during the game because, as Rich said, it was a blowout. He had 59 in three quarters. He was done. And we were looking, saying, is he going to come back in here? And the thing was, just simply to get 60. Get that extra point, get 60, sit down. That's his new career high. Not a franchise record or anything like that. Just get the 60, the career high. It's different from the Knicks game because they were getting rocked. They were getting blown out that night. So what were you doing? Messing with the basketball gods like he was that evening. But we were looking at it and simply saying, all right, it seems like you can bring him back in seven-minute mark, or do you start him at the beginning of the fourth quarter like we saw uh, in the past with Nick Nurse because he's a guy who understands the record books and he understands the history of basketball and getting guys their, their personal records and it's not messing up the game in any way, shape, or form. But this one, he came back out. And I got to tell you guys and gals, Sixer fans out there, I was surprised that he came back in just because of what happened before. The backlash that Nick Nurse and Joel Embiid took for that Knicks game. Again, different result, but same thing. Does he need to be out there? But once he came back out there and you just recognize what greatness is. Folks, we talk about this all the time. Greatness in a simple form, right? A guy has an opportunity to go out there and get the 60. Then it turns to San Antonio is not going to quit. Popovich, as you said, still has his guys out there playing hard. They're playing some tough basketball. And then it became, oh, this is easy outside of the double and triple teams. He might get 70. And Rich, he did it. And sometimes you just have to put that other stuff aside and let it go and let it play out the way it did. I, I think you bringing up the basketball gods is a great point, too, because Joel Embiid has been a chronically unlucky player throughout his career, and he will be the first one to tell you that every playoff run, there's always something stupid that happens to him, something that really is kind of it's out of his control, mm -hmm. which is why I was really frustrated with him a couple of weeks ago with that Knicks game because I thought the chronically unlucky guy cannot tempt fate for the basketball gods. And by the way, I'm a rational person, too. Like, I don't actually believe in the basketball gods. But Joel's <laughs> career has been so unlucky in a lot of aspects that it, it's kind of made me believe things that I, I wouldn't normally go with. My point 
is that I don't think he angered the basketball gods tonight. San, uh, San Antonio continued to play hard in that fourth quarter. They kept Wemby in. Sixers could not get a stop. And it was like, you know, it was like a 14-point game with like five, six minutes left. I don't think that was crazy to put him back in the game. And, I mean, it, it was just kind of a perfect um, storm here. And he's just, I mean, that guy is unbelievable, man. Like, I guess I want to get to the historical context here yes, and just say, yep. like, look, there, there will always be haters, like, and, and you can say what you want about the postseason, and trust me, I have said some of it too. But Joel Embiid is an unassailable regular season basketball player at this point. Um, he has treated us, you know, anybody who has followed the Sixers fans, I've been in the media for a long time, to some of the greatest individual basketball I've ever seen in my life. The guy continues to get better year after year. I'm thinking before tonight, the game he played against Utah last season, which was his previous career high in points, 59, did everything, Sixers win a close game. That to that that point was the greatest game I've ever seen. I need to think if this was better because, you know, he was scoring kind of easily. But the fact that he scored 70 points and he just does it within the flow of the offense, I, you know, we're talking to each other, watching the game, and he has 24 after the first quarter. It's, it is outrageous. And I, I say this to um, emphasize that you need to savor this as Sixers fans. Like, this is not normal, this, this stuff this guy is doing. He might be giving you the greatest basketball like a Sixers played outside of Will Chamberlain for a couple years. Just savor it, man. Like, this does not happen all that much. It's it's incredible. Again, folks, franchise record 70. So as Rich says, the Wilt Chamberlain bringing up his name, that's because Wilt had a bunch of records, whether it's the Warriors or the 100 points, of course, with the Warriors. But he also had the 67, 65, and B tied him with the 65. Then he got to the 67, and, of course, he eventually surpassed Wilt Chamberlain to get to that 70. Again, a new franchise record here, and, of course, a career high for him, which was previously 59 against that Utah Jazz team, that game that Rich is talking about on that Sunday afternoon. And you know what? That one still, because the game was closer in that one where he had to do what he did in that particular game. So the argument can certainly be there for what it is. And for him to do so, nationally televised game, folks. Last time he did a nationally televised game against a big-time name, big-time big man in this league, Nikola Jokic, he gave him 40-plus, did what he did. The Sixers got to win 125-121. And this one here, it was Victor Wembenyama. And there was a video circulating that. I saw it, but Rich, first thing Rich said to me when he came in, did you see the video of Embiid looking at Wembenyama? Because when he came out on the floor for the pregame warm-ups, he had his shooting shirt on and all that. He's going walking, and he's looking at this guy like he's the Loch Ness Monster. And he's looking at him, and he's looking up at him and just shakes his head as he walks by him because... He couldn't believe it like many of us when we saw this guy can't be real. 7'4", seven, 7', seven, whatever he is, and as big as he is, and I have to go up and play against this dude tonight. And he did. And he went out there, and you know he gets up for these games against these opponents, these, these other names. I was Before we walked in here to start our conversation with you all, uh, he was talking to the uh, – he was doing his postgame interview, and he was talking about – he was asked about understanding the moment and against the player and all the, the press that was going on against. Again, this was, this was deemed a rival game by the NBA. This is rivalry week in the NBA. They put these two guys up against one another. They have never played. It's no rivalry. It's simply because it's the new number one overall pick in Victor Wembanyama. He's an alien, and it's the reigning MVP. So you understand it there from that standpoint, even though they haven't played and logged a minute against one another. But he goes out there, and you know, as he said, he was aware 
of, of course, the other guy on the other side. We all were. And he came out and gave a, a, a historic performance. Rich, let's give some of the numbers, man, because the numbers are crazy. 36 minutes. And what, what did he shoot from the floor from the free throw line? 24 of 41 from the floor. 21 of 23 from the free throw line, and you were getting on him for that one miss. You were like, man, this might have because he would have been over already. Yeah, if he would if he would have made that one free throw during the early part of regulation, it's like you you wouldn't be sitting down by now. Then he misses another later. But go ahead, go ahead. Um, one of two from the three point line. I know Nick Nurse wants Only him to shoot more. One three pointer. More threes. Seventy uh, points. He didn't decide to do that tonight. It turned out okay. Uh, it was, man, it was really dominant. And, I mean, obviously, like, we're watching that game. Some of the moves Wembenyama made. Like, the, when he had the one scoop layup where he basically just reached his Inspector Gadget arms around. Embiid, arms up. That's to Joel Embiid, a, a guy who can make Joel Embiid look small in some ways. Um, that that kid's going to be amazing at some point. Like, it's just, it's very clear that he's got his head on straight and he's got all the talent in the world. And, obviously, like you said, he is an alien. Um, but, look, like, he's not physically mature enough yet to deal with Joel. And I thought, you know, honestly, a couple times tonight, um, Joe just bullied him. And when I say a couple, I mean like eight times, you know, it's just, it just a couple in, in proportion to his, uh, to his 70 points. I, I just, it, it's so crazy. And it kind of felt like a, a little bit of a passing of the, you know, not, not, not a passing of the torch moment, just like a, you're going to get here at some point, but I'm letting you know that this is my turf. And, yeah. you know, it's funny. You remember in, Earlier in Joel's career, when he was not nearly the player he is now, he was still awesome. He would get up for like the matchups against Andre Drummond, against Boogie Cousins, like guys who are not as good. Rudy as Gobert. Big, yeah, Rudy Gobert. Guys who are not the caliber of even Wembenyama right now, but certainly not Jokic. And it's kind of what drove me about the ducking allegations for a long time. Like, man, he's not like, he's going to give buckets to literally everybody. Mm -hmm. Like, there's nobody who can stop him. There's probably one player in the league currently who frustrates him. That is unfortunately Al Horford, uh, who's for some reason has kind of, uh, just has like a, him in a trance when they play each other, just mm -hmm. does not always play the smartest games. And he will have a chance probably to fix that this year. But everybody else, like, I mean, the Sixers might lose the game, but like, he's going to score 30 points. Yes. Yes. It's it's outrageous. And that's why he's averaging 35 points on the season and and doing so and again folks again 30 let me give you the exact number I said 36 minutes. 36 minutes and 38 seconds in bead uh scores his points tonight 24 for 41 as Rich said. 21 for 23, and I was killing him during the, during the game. It was more fun, but I mean, first of all, we're talking about a center making 21 free throws, which he does this regularly, right? So I'm, I was just messing around because he could have been out the game. He missed two free throws, right? And the 18 boards, the five assists, they only had one turnover. And that one turnover was when he, when he, was, when he was messing around at the end trying to get his number yeah. on the side where he was double teamed and the ball went off his leg and, and the Spurs picked it up and went the other way. It just, that's just what the guy did. And, and it was an amazing, amazing performance. Foster Black the third has a super chat for us here. And Foster Black says, and to do it with Brett here, Hinky died for this. Of course, the rebuild and the whole thing. Brett Brown being an assistant coach on Greg Popovich's 
staff, he's right there. They have a big conversation at the end. Robert Covington, uh, Furkan Korkmaz also joining in that conversation with Brett Brown. They were all here together. But yeah, Brett Brown on the bench and he does it with his guy. You remember like I do all the times that he was out and beat, still recovering, trying to get back from his injury in the early part of his career. The Nerlens Noel free throw shooting, form free throw shootings <laughs> from about 11 feet from the basket that, trying to get his that shot did, right. That didn't take, unfortunately. That didn't take. Then, of course, out there with Embiid. When Embiid couldn't do much, he's in a boot or, he, you know, something's wrong with him. But Brett Brown out there himself, helping him out there on the floor. And, and, and so much with the history of Embiid, Brett Brown, the rebuild, all the playoffs that they played in, everything. And for, as Foster Black says, for him to do this with his former coach on the bench, it was, it was, it was, it was almost like it was supposed to happen that way. Hard not to smile when you see that. I mean, Joel always says, my life is like a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, and to see Brett, who really kind of was with him through the, uh, the hard times and, and just carried him through. Um, you know, those first two years, Devon, were very hard on Joel personally. Yes. Through the... Uh, not only did he break his foot twice, but obviously his his brother. Um, so to see Brett, um, who, who played a big part, obviously Joel deserves most of the credit, you know, get to see Joel at this level and Joel just thrilled to see his old coach and, you know, to have uh, Ferk and, and Cove with him as well, who were early in the uh, journey with Joe was just great to see. And by the way, I remember I was there last year when the Sixers lost to San Antonio. I think they went. Oh, that was game three. Yeah. First home game of the season. Yeah. To get yeah. to oh and three. And Joel did go over to see Brett after that, too. So it's not like he's just happy to see his coach after uh after uh, wins and great performances yeah. and stuff like that. They have a really close relationship, just like Sam Hinkie as well. Kind of helped Joel get through the hard times, the Shirley Temple times as well. And just to see him, I mean, that guy is, man, he is the best basketball player in the world right now. And I think the the level of talent it's in always the close so before we say it's not even close it's always close I, because of who we're talking about in the conversation with him it's probably yeah i mean yeah. The, the playoff success you can probably uh poke holes in that but it's just it's just outrageous how He's good he is right it's now. it's so great yeah. what yeah. what a player and look just to further rich's point about the brett brown piece as we bring that up as it was going myself rich and Bree, we were talking because we brought up the basketball guy piece of it and respecting the game but we also mentioned Hey, on the other end is Brett Brown, but it's also Greg Popovich. Greg Popovich is a historian. He loves history, great players, all of that stuff. They're booing Kawhi Leonard in San Antonio as a member of the L.A. Clippers. He's grabbing the microphone. I still don't think he should have done that, but we, we know Greg Popovich. He definitely we should like, not have done is, that. Is Greg Popovich okay with this? It is what Rich and I and Bree were talking about. Is he okay with this? And we were like, especially Rich was saying, yeah, I think he is because of everything that I just laid out about how much he respects the game, the, his, the history of it, of what he's trying to do. And it's not out of the flow of the game, as you talked about earlier, where the game was close enough where, yes, he could have come out 59 points at the end of the third. He normally stays on the bench until seven minutes to play in the fourth quarter. See how it goes. Well, Guys, they were still scoring on the Sixers. Maxi missed a couple of shots. Daniel House missed a few shots. Tobias Harris missed a few shots. And they kept them in it. So Joel Embiid did come back into the game. Could he stay out? Sure he could have. But he didn't, and we know what happened. But that was one point that we brought up, respecting the game, respecting the, the opponent. And the opponent, Greg Popovich, it was probably the right opponent at that point because some others may or may not have handled it differently. But Greg Popovich certainly didn't mind it at the end and even 
congratulating and dapping him up. And I can't wait to talk to Kyle later on. While Kyle is most likely going to be in the Sixers locker room and Nick Nurse's press conference, we'll probably find something on Twitter where Greg Popovich will speak about what happened tonight and, of course, him respecting the game. You know what, Joel Embiid? deserves though after a game like tonight after he does what he does and he plays so well Joel Embiid deserves to sit down and enjoy some great food and you know what he needs he needs some bagels folks because he's got to be tired he needs to refuel and replenish right we saw he was fatigued get something to drink get all the things that you need but also get something to eat and that is with a Brooklyn style bagel made right here in Philadelphia courtesy of bagels and co huge bagels biggest bagels in Philly the bagels are very large hence of course the Brooklyn New Jersey style that we're talking about large variety usually have 15 to 20 different types to choose from daily bagels and co has seasonal bagels as well for instance they have the Christmas flavored bagel that was on display when we were at the Reading Terminal Market during our show. Rich was there doing his show with the birds, he and Bo Wolf, and we had the bagels, and they were fantastic. Largest cream cheese variety, 30 different flavors of cream cheese. Again, as mentioned, for instance, when you have these Philly type of flavors here in town, Eagles cream cheese. They did the Sixers cream cheese. Still going on right now during the playoff run for the Phillies. The same deal for the baseball team. Bagels & Co. has you covered. Affordable brand. A lot of food you can get for cheap. And in today's inflationary world, Bagels & Co. thinks that's key. They've debated raising the prices, but don't want to, of course, as an everyday brand and not some high-end place that you want to go to on the sur- to splurge on on the weekends. They, wanna, they don't want to gouge you. They want to make it affordable and easy for you to join. They are artisan and mom and pop. They aren't artisan and mom and pop. They have mom and pop feel, though, and they cater to the everyday individual. A lot of customers are repeat. They have the really good coffee, and it's not seven bucks like Starbucks. Why go to Dunkin' Donuts and get a subpar product when you can certainly go to Bagels & Co. and get a more premium product at the same price point? For the best Brooklyn Styles bagels made right here in Philly, head to www.thebagelsandco.com and of course backslash look at store locator check it all out to find its closest bagels and co near you after you fill up on all that food maybe you want to see a historic performance like you just saw from the big fella in Philadelphia's win over San Antonio. You got to go to game time. You want to be back in the building the next time they're home? You got to go to game time. Maybe you want to go on the road when they play later on on the road. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. Rich, you got to go with us. We are, so we're going to, Kyle has convinced us to go to a theater show. We got it. You got to go. Sure. Got to go. So we got to get him through game time with killer deals on last minute tickets and the best price guarantee. Got to stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun you'll have. All four of us will have fun. Maybe you'll be there. We'll tell you when we're going to be there. You get images of the seat views. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. As we just talked about flash deals and last minute tickets. That's the game time experience. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. The game time guarantee also means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. They make great holiday gifts as well, birthdays, holidays, whatever. Make sure you go snag those tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. And, of course, terms apply. 
Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Game, download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right. I didn't take Newbeck as a, as a theater guy. He's a, he's a renaissance man. Yeah, huh? he's a renaissance man, and, and he, he talked us into it, and we think we might have to pull everybody. If I have to go, all of you have to go, and Rich, you have to go, and Bree, you have to go, to, because I'm not a theater person, just being honest. But taking one for the team so we can go hang out and a bonding trip, I'm in. Two, two things. So right now, and the, the chat has been blowing up about this, Carl Towns has 62 points with three minutes left. Devon, they're In the up, game? Yeah, with three minutes left. Okay. They are up one point on the Charlotte Hornets, who somehow, I guess Lamelo is playing the night, have 120 points. After watching that Sixers game on Saturday night, the idea that they can crack 120 is kind of crazy to me. <laughs> I, that, that, that seems crazy. What do you think? Oh, Charlotte just took the lead. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to scoreboard watch. Update, because Towns 62, we, we were talking about it. You were updating this before the show because he was going off, and he was at one point like eight, 16 for 18 or something yeah, like eight that. Yeah, 8 for 8 from 3, which is crazy. Yeah. I and mean, obviously that guy's a very talented offensive player, but that's that's kind of an all-time heater. Whereas Joel just kind of extended his scoring dominance. Like, this didn't feel crazy at all. I mean, obviously him, him getting to 70 is crazy, but – just how easily he continues to rack up points and just hit mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper after. It's a layup. It's a layup. I, I would also like to credit, I thought Furkan Korkmaz was very important tonight for two reasons. He threw some good entry passes in the second half, and we always talk about the entry passes, yep. Yep. and Batum is obviously very good at those. Joel got some duck-ins, but Furk threw some very good entry passes when Dan House was not exactly doing that, I would say. Gosh, you, you should have you should have seen Rich when Dan House drove to the basket and got fouled, by the way, missed both free throws, but Embiid cut through the middle and he should have hit him on the cut. He, Joel is about to set the franchise record, Devon. He has, Dan House has him on a fast break. Oh, he has man. him trailing. It is an automatic two points. Yes. If, if he gets touched, it's probably three points. And Dan House says, it's Dan House time. <laughs> You said, read the room, man. Read the room. It was hilarious, folks. But no, it, man. At I, least, and by the way, there were people getting on him for shooting that corner three at the end. That was Tyrese's fault, man. You can't yeah. throw it to a guy who's wide open the corner. And you know it's Dan House, yep. Tyrese. Yep. Just throw it back to Joel. I don't care what type of pick and roll coverage it was. But luckily, San Antonio kept scoring to get Joel over the hump there. But it was funny that Dan House was like, no, no, no. This is my time. Yeah, I got this. I got this. Don't worry, Joel. Let me get some of this right here and, and do his part. Rick Sachs jumps in on the Super Chat, folks, and Rick says, Devon, you took many calls in the past from people in my former life that wanted to trade Joel. Dopes is what Rick says. Thank you, Rick. Well, I'll leave that one for you. Well, I mean, it's true. And obviously, after last playoffs, it was tough to be a Joel Embiid um, fan, supporter. supporter. Yeah, wh whatever. I mean, it wasn't tough in that I still thought the guy was amazing, but that was... A rough performance, and obviously people started to bring up his whole history. But my thing was, like, you know, people can talk all the shit they want. You just got to keep taking swings with this guy. And I, I truly believe— 100 percent. At some point, he's going to break through here. Like, he's just too good at this. And if you continue to put good pieces around him— and again, like, it's outrageous how good this team is this year. Again, I haven't been on for a month or so. I am so impressed— 
by how good these guys by are. By the way, they have 29 wins, folks. It's crazy. Like, I, I thought before the season, um, especially, like, if they were going to trade Harden, which seemed likely, and it seemed like they were going to go the Clippers route because a star-level player was not available, I was like, all right, this is probably a 50-win team. They're probably, you know, battling for the four seed, the five seed. Joel has not been healthy uh, that healthy this year. He's missed a lot of games, and they've been a disaster, and they've been so good when he's played. And they've missed man. so many players. DeAnthony yeah. Melton, Robert Covington has missed a bunch of time. Patrick Beverly missed a game or two here. Marcus Mars, Tobias Harris had to miss a couple of games. The illness that was running through the locker room, right? All, all of that stuff. And, and yet and still, they're on pace, pace right now for what? 58 wins on the season? And what's the pace when he plays? I mean, it's even higher. Like, well, Let, we got to get our guy in there. Ash, Ash, where are you, man? Ash, where, where's the update, Ash? And maybe he's in there in the chat. We have so many. I haven't, we haven't even gotten to them yet. We'll get there. But uh, the, he was like 20, 26, 26 and 4 with him in the lineup or something like that, whatever it was. And, and look, last season was a really great accomplishment to get to 54 wins. That was a lot of Shake Milton and George Deang winning the bullshit games and Doc Rivers somehow being a better coach when they were completely undermanned right. than when everybody was there. That's when he wanted to really coach. But... So this year, like this team is, um, and, and Jay said it in the in the chat, best Sixers team of the process era. In, in the way that I care, which is with Joel on the floor, with everybody playing, I, I think it's hard to argue at this point. And you know they have a real chance to to supplement that, whether that's with the star player. I know you. Kyle and Derek always talk about, you know, who's who's the trade? They have some options here to even get a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that was the other thing about tonight. P- part of the reason he was able to get 70 tonight, Devon, was their bench was completely depleted. Now, some of those are short-term injuries, you know, Marcus Morris, Pat Bev, guys who have played pretty well for them. I, I think those guys will come back. I mean, there are four bench players tonight. B-Ball Paul, which, great. They, they even tried him with Joel for a minute there. They, that was funny. They almost never do that. Yeah. Uh, Ferk got run. K.J. Martin, he on the trade block, as Mark Stein said today, looking for a, uh, a good second-round pick for him. And then D. House, those are your four guys. Not only that, like Kelly Oubre was terrible tonight, man. So they really didn't have a lot of trustworthy players, obviously against the Spurs. You do have some room for error, even if they shot the ball well at the beginning of the game. But like it was like him and Tobias and Maxi and a little bit of Batum against everybody <laughs> for a long stretch. So it was kind of the, the perfect storm. But, but I would also say he's, he's earned a game like this because how many times? The, the absolutely three, right. The three-quarter thing is unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely right. He's up to like 10, 11 games where he just, he just doesn't play in the fourth quarter yep. because he's been kicking butt, and usually he has 35, 40 points. Like that was like Steph Curry stuff on the 2017, 2018 Warriors. And obviously Steph Curry was great, but that was much more of a team effort than this one. That was much more of an obvious, oh, it's, I mean, it's very clear why that team is blowing out everybody. <laughs> like that was something everybody knew was going to happen right. before the season. Right. This is just, I mean, I, I am just so impressed by this guy. Yeah, this is amazing. Our buddy, our teammate from, of course, PHLY Eagles, great podcast. And you certainly want to be listening right now with all the stuff that's going on there with that football team. Oh, man, how disappointing. But you know what? Our teammate stepped in and he gave an exact number, $2.70. Since Bo Wolf jumps in on the super chat, our teammate says most points either of you have ever scored in a game. So is this a, it's like a question? A, How did, about combined? Did you play in high school? Yeah. Okay. So is that the game we're going like an official game or like a summer league game? League game or in high school, college, whatever. 
Uh, I think in like a summer league game, I think I probably had like 26, 27. You don't really remember those. I can tell you. My, I do. I can tell you my high school. <laughs> well, I do. Well, you were always counting. My high school career high. <laughs> I looked it up on uh, on TedSolari.com, RIP Ted. Uh, it's still on there. Uh, 17 points against Kennedy Kenrick one okay. time, who was not, right, not nice. the greatest team in the Catholic League South at yeah. that point. But right. yeah. Yeah, uh, my, my career high was in the league. I think it was like 27. Or th- no, I think it was 30. I had a, a career high uh, 30 in a league game. One of those league games I had about 30, but that's it. Um, so combined, we still didn't hit 70. You're 27 oh, no. or you're 30 with my 30. We still, Bo, no, we didn't. Maybe, maybe Zach's um, games that he's playing right now in the league, maybe that just add-ons to us to get us to 70. But no. No, but I love the fact that he donated 270. Perfect. Thank you, Bo Wolf, for checking in. And we also have Ramid on the Super Chat. Uh, Mid, our buddy, longtime buddy, says, how ironic uh, if he gets back to back MVPs and a ring. How about that? I mean, this one, this MVP would mean so much more than last season's. Many people were happy for him locally, certainly, and others. First of all, by the way, they voted him. The media voted him the MVP. So it was legit. But after the fact, people were talking about, oh, maybe I should have, makes me want to change my vote even though I can't. I was overthinking it. Jokic was so fantastic. He goes on to win the championship. And like Rich said, unassailable regular season player, Joel Embiid. We're not talking about the postseason, which, again, they were talking about why they maybe questioned themselves of giving him the MVP. If he were to get the MVP this year, and, of course, advance even to the Eastern Conference Finals, this one would mean so much more in the eyes of many people. Well, and, and I think last year, I mean, just like the years Jokic won, like, th- there were arguments for other players. The only argument right now, and by the way, I am not somebody who, who cares quite as much about the MVP as a lot of Sixers fans. I am more of a, uh, a team success person, especially with Joel, who I think really can be the best player on a championship team and have that dominant postseason. That is the the last thing he needs, Devon. That's the last thing. That said, if he gets over 65 games, like I think he'd have to fall off a cliff not to win. Oh, like, for this sure, is, for sure. This is an unquestionable one right now. He's been that good, and it's just wild that you can win the MVP, and he won it rightfully so last year. And he is way better this year, way better. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. I mean, the fact that they have a top five offense without James Harden, like he just has exceeded my expectations. I mean, because I say this all the time about Tyrese Maxey, like Tyrese Maxey, he starts as the 21st pick in the draft. And then, you know, he has that good playoffs. But then the second year, I'm like, man, making him the starting point guard, I really like him, but that seems like a lot for a team. And it was kind of forced on him because of the situation. And even, yeah, and even with James Harden leaving this year, I'm like, all right, well, it's it's a different you know, it's a different idea now that he's clearly the second best player on this team. Can he keep them afloat? He has certainly exceeded all those expectations. But I think I also take for granted that Joel also continues to exceed those expectations as well. He's better. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's remarkable how much he has improved. He's better. Our, our buddy Ron Albright says, um, and B was awesome. But remember, Wimby, when drafted, measured 7'6 and weighed in at 174 pounds. Iverson at his combine weighed in at 202. Is that true? I don't know. No. No. There's no way. No way. Iverson, no, no, 
No, I, I I can't believe that. But anyway, even if that's the case, I'm thinking of the Tom Brady picture from the, from the combine oh, yeah, where yeah, he yeah. looked he looked bad. He might have been over over 200 pounds. AI, AI nah. did not. He just didn't have that type of frame. Not yet. No, he wasn't. But look, even even if that's the case, Ron, and look, it doesn't matter. I mean, the guy goes out there and averages how many blocks does he average? About two and a half, three blocks a game. He was leading the league, definitely, yeah. Yeah. He, while we were watching the game, all three of us, we were sitting there, and Rich is like, look how much he's altering his shot. And Joel Embiid is very aware of how much arc he now has to put on that shot. It's no longer, all right, I'm shooting over seven-footer in, um, I don't Nick Richards. You know what I'm saying? It's, no, I'm shooting over this seven, however tall this dude is, wingspan of whatever it is to go along with it and you were you were like look look at how much arc he's putting on that jump shot it was really cool yeah like you can tell like that's a guy when he does the you know the hang dribble pull up jumper which he makes in his sleep layup yeah it's he can shoot it over everybody this is the one guy in the league where he's like ooh i actually like I might Actually, need an extra shoot this. I might need an extra foot of space. <laughs> I might have to put some extra arc on it. And it was really cool. He made about three or four where he definitely put more arc on the ball. And it was just fun to watch. Like I think, you know, if, if Wemby becomes a great player in, you know, five, six years, if he gets to this level that Joel is at now, and maybe if Joel has won a title by then, this could be, you know, maybe like a, a very memorable regular season game that people go back to where it was like young Wemby, but Joel in his prime just showing him like, hey, you're good, you're good, but I'm the man right now. Yeah. By the way, they could play together, or uh, they could have played together if uh, if Joel played for France, but luckily the the United States has a, has a center shortage, and, and Joel realized, Oh, I actually can play for them, and they, they actually really need me. And actually get a gold medal. Yeah. <laughs> right? So. And actually get a gold medal. Uh, someone asked, is this the first time? Can't remember where it was. This is the first time two players scored 60 points uh, on the same day. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski had retweeted something from Stats Williams. And uh, today is the first day with multiple 60-point games since April 9th, 1968, I believe it is. Ni- 1978, pardon me. And uh, Embiid and Towns, David Thompson, 73, George Gervin, 63, and there have never been oh, multiple 65-point games. That was on, on the, the last day of the year, right? That was the scoring title battle yeah. between those guys. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So there's that. And look, Answer that question right there. As the, as the chat knows by now, Carl Towns finishes with 62 points, and they lost. So I was looking at the chat, and someone had said he had 60, 60 with like eight minutes to go or 62 with eight minutes to go. It almost seems like, how did that not happen, right? How did that not happen? The way that he was rolling, how did he not? Of course, they were probably rolling their coverage and making sure they get the ball out of his hands because he was a hot hand, but you still have Anthony Edwards. You have to account for all of that stuff, but so does, so does Joel Embiid, and they were double and triple teaming him, but he still found a way uh, to get it, and we were worried that he was going to steal Joel Shine and get 71 well, tonight. And, and this was something we also talked about when we were watching the game. Like, when you're at a certain number of points, the defense does not want to get embarrassed, right? Like, they start changing their coverages, they start doubling you, they start playing up on you and, and sending help automatically. They don't care if you pass the Dan House for a wide-open three. Joel is one of the best I've ever seen in those scenarios. Like, they are trying to take everything away from you, and he's just getting to a spot, and he's making the jumper in his sleep. It's, it's wild. Like, I mean, I, I've seen him make step-backs against Jokic in big games at, at the end of it when he's feeling it and he's trying to get to, 
you know, 48 points. Whenever he's near 50 and he has 47 points, I always think that shot is going in, especially at home. It's it's pretty remarkable. And I think it goes to show, Devon, like, he is such a rhythm basketball player. And it's it's funny that Brett was there. You know, Brett coached him a lot of the time when they, you know, at the beginning, they had him on minutes limits like Wemby. They had him sitting out on back-to-backs. Yeah, very and, true. Yep. And Joel has said this where he's like, man, I play better when I am in a rhythm. And I think it's it's very clear that, you know, he's played for a couple weeks here. You know, once he strings four or five games together, he just gets on a roll until the next time he has to sit. So he is, I mean, he is just an outrageous basketball player. Um, one, one other thing, because you mentioned Popovich earlier, I think he, he said in jest, uh, I think he, he had some funny comments about, like, we're going to wreck him. He said, I, I could tell you we're going to do something, but that would be BS, those type of things. So it's funny that he said that before the game, kind of a classic, sarcastic pop press conference, and then he gave up 70 points and the, the Sixers franchise record. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable performance. And we'll get to some more of your your, your mentions in the chat there. We'll get uh, uh, talk about Victor Wembanyama. It's the first time we've seen him here. And, and, of course, we'll get Kyle's thoughts on watching him in person at the arena and all that. But we'll also want to tell you, good time to tell you, it's cold outside and you want some new merchandise. You want to make sure that you, your head is cool, I mean, warm as, as it's so cold out there. You want to get some new hats. You want to get a hoodie. PHLYLocker.com is the place for you to go. Make sure you check out PHLYLocker.com for our new merchandise. We have the team-specific show hoodies, the PHLY Eagles hoodie with the with the uh, dope eagle running, of course. You got it on the front and the back, the helmet on the front, the logo on the back. For our particular show, many of you might want to get in there with us, have our team-specific hoodie with the logo on the left side of the chest and also on the back. You'll be representing. We'll appreciate it. You know we love you. Just like Bo says, you know, we love you. And for the Flyers fans out there, Mishkov, man, he's fantastic. That hoodie is going fast, so make sure you all uh, get out there and get the uh, Mad Russian hoodie. That's at phlylocker.com. It's a Philly thing hoodie also available there, phlylocker.com. And for the hats, trucker hat, dag hat, flat brim hat, and the white golf hat. At some, you know, some of you might want to get out of town and, and you want to represent while you're golfing in Florida or wherever you may be. Got to get the golf hat as you're out there on the green and sporting your, your fresh, clean, white PHLY hat. We, courtesy of PHLYLocker.com. We got to get a Joel hoodie. Or, you know, I know so we, we were talking about it the other day, and it was just simply, which one is it? What do we tell Eric that we... What well, we, yeah, I, I'm not what's the... What's the design that we need? I could say the easy thing that you need a Joel hoodie, but I'm not creative enough to figure out what it would be, you know. So his thing is the, the waving of the arms, right? He stole the AI cup, cuff to the ear a couple of times, right? He does that. Is it the, the logo jumper? Might the be. elbow jumper? You, you, you know what I'm saying? It might be. and might be the elbow jumper. You can't, you can't have one when he's falling on the floor. <laughs> or the rip-through move. You, you can't have that. Yeah. Well, especially because, you know, again, it's, it's hoodie season right now. But It's cold out, folks. But, but hey, if, if you want to get a T-shirt to wear inside or when it's, it's warm out, one of my favorite things we have in the locker is, uh, is the Tyrese Maxey. He's on fire NBA Jam shirt. NBA that Jam is shirt. Yeah, that's a popular one. My folks, a couple of my folks are like, that's the one. And they ordered that one, the, the, the uh, Tyrese Maxey one. So, yeah, got to figure that one out with the Embiid part. 
and, and see exactly what it is. Uh, quiet night for some of the other Sixers uh, here because, of course, 70 points from one player. Not many are going to score in double digits. 18 for Maxi. He got a lot of that later on in the game. Uh, 14 for Tobias Harris. He was 5 for 11. Wasn't a bad 14 at all. It was just the, the way the flow of the game went, and he took some good shots. He just missed them tonight. No big deal. Especially when you have a guy going for 70. I, I'm not going to get on you for not at taking all. 11 shots for 14 Not at points. all. Daniel House, though, with your eight, shame on you. Shame on you for your eight. You should have passed the ball to him, B, especially when you missed those two free throws. Uh, Daniel House got to the free throw line six times. Didn't realize that. Three for six. Well, I, I don't remember the other two, but I, you I, remember do, I do remember him missing two free throws <laughs> after looking off Joel for a bucket. Yes, he did. So Maxi 18 and eight assists. Uh, 14 for Tobias Harris. Five for Nick, uh, Nick, Nick Batum. Kelly Oubre, three for six for eight. And Daniel House, we mentioned eight. K.J. Martin, a couple of good minutes off the bench early on uh, when they needed him to fill some, some space there. A couple of good minutes. The nice alley-oop finish at the rim from Tyrese Maxey. Another, again, just continued development of watching what he does with his passing. We were sitting there, and I'm like, oh, that's the alley-oop. Throw it now. He throws it. Put it behind him a little bit, but that's just learning that touch and the timing of, of it all. And, and you're still worried about Wimbenyama hovering around that painted area in the rim so he doesn't block it or knock yeah, it away. safe. Yeah, absolutely. KJ but, um, Martin, outrageous K athlete. Yeah, and some decent minutes. Yeah, no. He, and look, I mean, coming into this game, obviously – you know, the Sixers have Embiid, they have Harris, they have mm -hmm. Maxi. You, you think they're going to win the game, but really, I mean, they, they were, their, their depth was shot, man. So yeah. they, they were trying to patch together some, some weird lineups. We saw some, some point Furk, it felt like a couple years ago. <laughs> you know, they just really didn't have any other ball handlers, man. We saw some, some B ball Paul at the four. That was okay. You know, Joel got doubled. I, I, one other thing, Devon, I, I told you at halftime. They were seven for 35 in their last six quarters. Like they, they, they were couldn't. two for 10 at, at the break, right? Yeah and, yeah, and coming off not being able to shoot it at all in uh, Charlotte. In Charlotte. And, you know, Joel had how many, how many assists he finished with tonight? He finished with five, and obviously a couple of those were very stylish on the, on the break. And that's when you knew, like, he was just kind of toying with the them. behind the back pass to uh, Kelly Oubre? Yeah. Yeah. The, the nice uh, dime to D House after, I think, spinning, you know, four times in transition. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was really impressive. But they, they botched some of his assists earlier. They like did. They were doing the Denver double-teaming him basically at the top of the key, and they just couldn't get a shot to go. So really a dominant game. Um, it, they also, I mean, it's so funny that we, you know, we're in the 40-minute mark right now, and we're, like, talking strategy. But they, they actually took Embiid off Wemby to start the game, something we're seeing a lot with Nick Nurse. You know, we, we saw it with the Jokic matchup where they put Tobias on him and Batum on him to start, and they say, Jeremy Sohan, we don't care what you're doing. Wemby, you want to drive on Tobias, that's great. You're going to meet Joel at the rim. Yep. I think that's something we might see a lot in the and playoffs. He was, he was sagging off with so a lot, a he lot, got, as he should. And he got burned a couple times. He Sohan did. Yeah. shot it pretty well tonight. Um, but, you know, I, I just it, – it's just so funny when, when a guy is, is that individually brilliant, you just kind of forget what happens in the middle of the game. It's like you, you kind of black out and you're just like, all right, I'm just watching for points now. I, You know, if uh, – if K.J. Martin sets a nice off-ball screen, I'm not really going to take note of that. <laughs> Our buddy Bo back in the chat says, I still think Rich could take Joe in a Papa shot. In a Papa shot. There was, Can you take there was a legendary Papa shot matchup between Bo and uh, Shilkapadia at the Super Bowl one. Okay. Year. Yeah. Yeah. The very, those two. I, I've, I've seen Bo here with the ping pong table. When Shield was on 
the podcast with those guys uh, before the playoff game. They were talking about their battles yeah. and, and stuff, but I didn't hear that one. So legendary, yeah, Papa Shot. It was, it was a pretty drunken Papa Shot, if I remember correctly. <laughs> so. All right, I don't know who my money's on because I love Shield, love Bo. I don't know who my money's on. You well, were there, you saw well, it. Well, the funny thing with Papa Shot is like, you know, people are like, oh, you played basketball, you should be good at it. No, no, Papa Shot is just releasing it as quickly as possible. Anybody can do it. Yep. It is not real basketball. Yeah. If you shoot it like a real basketball, you're going to lose. That's you're, my you're problem. Releases. I always, I form shoot. Uh-huh. I still form shoot, even though, even though I'll take, I'll pick it up and, and one handed, you know, I'm floating it, but it's still like, yeah, I'm form shooting and, and that's my problem. So I would probably lose in Papa shot. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, look, I just, I, I cannot believe, I, I know I've said this five times already. It's just, we, we need to savor this man. Like, I, I don't know. I, I hope Joel plays for 10 more years and, and is this dominant and, and is healthy and is healthy yeah. for that time. He's already hall of famer. We, we know that to, to have a guy play at this level, it's, it's crazy. Like, I mean, it, you only notice you notice it more when the star player, the dominant player, the MVP level player is on the other team, right? Because you're just like worried, like, oh my God, the the Sixers can't stop this guy. You know, they they have to throw four guys at him. We we are spoiled. That is Joel every night. Like when another when another team and a fan of another team has to watch Joel every night, it's just it has to be the most helpless feeling in the world because here's a guy who can make. I mean, what is he shooting, like 56% from around the free throw line? 15, I think it's 15 to 19 uh, feet away from the basket. He's right around 57, 58%. Think about how many of those yep. are contested, too. Like, when that is an open shot on, um, you know, on the pocket pass, on a pick and roll, that is, like, legitimately a layup. I bet you that's in the 60s. And it's, you know, I think Will Hardy talked about it the other night. You're starting to see these coaches try different formulas. Will Hardy's like, look... Against everybody else in the league, giving up a 15 to 19 foot two point shot that's contested. That's a good shot. It's, it's, you will live with that. Yes. You might lose some nights, <laughs> right. but more times than not, the coach is going to live with it in the in the modern NBA. He, Will Hardy was like, well, that's what he's amazing at, though. And if we do that against him, we're going to lose. So that's what that that's what kind of makes some of these regular season matchups hard. Because, you know, I'm sure San Antonio, they've been playing a bunch of teams, right? They've been sticking with their normal defensive philosophy. Then the Sixers show up and it's like, Oh, wait, on the fly, we got to completely change this? And the answer is yes. So that's what I want to ask you because, and we'll get to our other Super Chat here in a second. Kyle Newbeck will join us from the arena later. I, I wanted to ask you about that because it's, it's a shot that he makes at such a high percentage. But so often you hear, I can't stand when he's not under the basket. I can't stand that he's not closer to the basket, just back to the basket, dominating. Get to the free throw line that way and stop worrying about being on the outside on the perimeter. You hear from some of the all-time greats like Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal, right, Charles Barkley. They'll have their issues on these nationally televised games when they're carrying them. But we sit back, and and Ash is back in the chat, 70. Ash, let us know what the update is when Embiid plays. I thought you said like 26 and 4 or whatever, but update is Ash, and we'll get to that. But... What are your thoughts on that? Because I'm like, guys, it's part of his game. It's a layup. He's taking less pounding on the low block. Why not? Yes, sometimes things can get a little stagnant around him. They also have to move, by the way. But he has to look up and pass and and do those things. But it's a layup, as we just talked about. That's a percentage, that 56 that Rich is talking about, that we would look in the box scores back in the day and be like, oh, Rasheed Wallace is shooting 60% from the field. A lot of jump shots, but also back to the basket. Patrick Ewing is this, and, and Hakeem Olajuwon is that. Shaquille O'Neal certainly 63% from the field because he's 
just back to the basket dominating. Same thing with Alonzo Mourning. This is different. That guy can make that shot. So could Patrick Ewing. So could Akeem Olajuwon. But the game is different. I, I think what you mentioned, too, mm-hmm. not taking that level of pounding is huge, right? Like, he, the, the one thing that has slowed him down in his career is injuries, right? And when you are, you know, I, I always love the 7 feet 2, 300 pound, whatever he is. He's gigantic. That puts a lot of pounding on your lower joints every night. So I think it's probably better if he's not getting the hell beat out of him uh, under the basket. And by the way, some of that is the NBA's fault because I think Joel realized early in his career when he played in the post, he was like, well, they're allowed to foul me a lot harder down here. And when I watch Steph Curry and James Harden on the perimeter, you're not allowed to put your hands on that guy. And everybody gets mad about, you know, the the one or two times a game where he flops. And really, the only thing he did is he said, I'm going to do the same thing those guys do out there where you're not allowed to really put your hands on me. The problem is I am seven feet tall and skilled enough to actually look like them on the perimeter. And make the free throws, by the way. Yeah, and that's obviously the other reason, too. You know, Giannis, some of his free throw totals are outrageous but he shoots 65% from the free throw line. So he gets a pass for that. And the other thing is then what he does most times when that center is in the game and B gets him in foul trouble, you get the best defensive big man off the floor with those fouls. So what does he do then? He eats up the backup man too. He does his work there as well. So that, that's where, to your point, yes, things can get a little stagnant, can get a little ugly, but he's probably doing it the right way uh, most times, more times than not. And he, there was a possession at the beginning of the third quarter. He took a, uh, a midi against Wemby, and he missed. Next possession, he catches it on the right block, and he just shoved him. He put, he put his forearm right into him and scored. So when he has that level of a strength matchup, and it's also a guy you can't get underneath him, and, and you know somebody who's kind of a string bean type player like M, like Wemby at this point. By the way, Wemby's going to fill out at some point too. That's probably, you know, it's not going to be as easy in a couple of years. I, I think that's when you can see the post up. But in general, he's drawing all the fouls in the world from the perimeter anyway. So, you know, who, who really cares at this point? I, I would say the time I like him getting near the basket is when he gets on the offensive glass. Like, mm-hmm. I think, like, off of drives, there were a couple plays tonight where Ferk was missing layups seemingly on purpose, but because Joe was getting really deep position and carving it out underneath and, and getting the putbacks, like, I think that is where he can really affect the game. I think that's where he can affect the game in the playoffs because we have seen time and again, even as he's moved to the perimeter, sometimes it's hard to get get him the ball against, like, the Eric Spolstra locked-in defenses Boston. A, against Boston, yeah. those things. That's a way he can still affect the game by just playing hard. And, and I think he has that in him as well. So I at this point, man, like, if you're, you know, yelling, like, get in the post. It's like, come on, man. He's doing everything right at this point. There, there probably will be matchups where get in the post, get on the offensive glass is necessary. It's not at any point during the regular season. It, it really isn't. Yeah, and we were talking about the other night when Tobias had a great entry pass and Bede had uh, the defender sealed. I want to say it was um, uh, Goga uh, that night yeah. when they started and Embiid just ran down the middle of the floor on secondary break, kind of, and Embiid just had him underneath the basket Tobias did not hesitate, drilled it from about 35 feet away, caught it, layup. Nothing you can do. Nothing you can do. And that's what we want to continue to see with those passes. By the way, Ash jumped back in and chat and said 26-6 and six with Embiid in the lineup. 
That's 26 and 6. The Sixers are after tonight's win. They are 29 and 13. They've won six games in a row. They're now going back on the road. They have a game on Thursday. Then they have a game on Saturday as well. So uh, 29 and 13, when Rich and I were talking about pace earlier in terms of wins, I mean, you can't over 29 and 13. 29 and 13, no matter what you think uh, of, of what they're doing. And even with how poorly they've played without Embiid, they're like third in net rating in the league. I did not expect that from this team once James Harden was traded. And look, Nick Nurse deserves a ton of credit for that. Uh, Tyrese Maxey deserves a lot of credit for that. But as always, Joel Embiid deserves the most credit for that. And just the way he has uh, he, he's just developed his game. The Devon, this is the craziest thing. I, I was looking up some of their stats the other day, like the, the four factors and, you know, re, the rebounding numbers. The, obviously, that's the one thing they struggle with this season, which part of that is because they tell Joel, go, go try and block shots. Mm-hmm. And, and they're very mm-hmm. aggressive on the perimeter. Um, so that's cool. The, the, the thing that they are amazing at this season, which is just such a testament to Joel Embiid, because they are running the offense through him primarily. They turn the ball over less than anybody in the league with a center as the hub of the offense. Like, Brett Brown watching that. Some of those Brett Brown teams, like with like Ben Simmons and J.J. Reddick, those teams were good. Those teams could really guard. But they would have the 10 to 15 times a year where they would just barf all over themselves. They'd just be throwing the ball into the third row. And that was because the spacing was weird. And obviously Ben and, you know, they had to pass the ball a lot. They turn the ball over the least in the league. Yeah. It's just it's just night and day from what it was. And you wonder how much of that does have you know the coach when you talk about the coach and and what he, he has deserves done. a ton of credit. Yeah, I, known as a defensive guy, I think what he has done with this team's offense. Obviously, he's got the really good center and the really good guard, but it, it's been impressive, man. And and how the role players have played. Like I got on Kelly Oubre pretty hard tonight, but they have already exceeded my expectations with Kelly Oubre. Like, if he has a rough <laughs> night tonight, that's okay, man. Like, they signed that guy in September. So, I look, like, it, same thing as with Embiid. We can talk about the playoffs and what they need to add and the skepticism and all those things. What they are doing now is really impressive. And for somebody who is, like, it's not that easy to impress me because I've seen a lot of very good Sixers teams that have fallen short. This team is better than that. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's amazing, man. We had another super chat from Furious. Furious says, any thoughts on Woj saying Sixers likely won't make a major trade? Um, Furious, I guess can, for us at least, and maybe even you and some of the other Sixer fans out there, what do you consider major? Because like we've talked about, it may not have to be that big name. It may not have to be the all-star level name, but it just has to be the right player where you, to go along into the, the, the whole conversation. Where, where do you fall on that? Because I find myself watching these games and seeing how poorly they rebound and wondering if they need another wing stopper. Basically, they, there are nights when they lose, which is rare, as we've talked about, where I think, oh, man, they need another scorer. They need another ball handler. But there are nights like the, the Denver game, if they had another wing defender, I actually think they win that game by 15 to 20 points, you yeah. know? So wh- well, where, where do you Well, first of all, DeAnthony Melton didn't play in that game. That's true. So Melton might have made a difference. I don't know how much of a difference, but it may have made a difference in that game. Definitely. Tobias could have been a little chasing, bit better in that Murray one. Around, yeah, too. yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, because yeah. Murray did have a good game. It wasn't enough to, of course, win, but Melton wasn't there. So I'm more, I'm more on this, where I think all three of us, and want to get your thoughts on this, have looked at Murray and said if they did it and got it for the price where it was right, it wasn't the two and a pick swap that San Antonio 
got for him no. from Atlanta or three in They're the pick spot, that. whatever. But if it was like we've seen rumors of him, one first-round pick, uh, two players, right, something like that, then you talk yourself into it because he is still – an all-star level player. He may not be the upper echelon all-star level player, but he's a player that has that, that pedigree already there. So could you talk yourself into that? Sure. The others, though, where you have to give up so much, wasn't really big on the Siakam thing. OG Ananobi, yes, that would have been good. You I see what he's doing with the I Knicks. I would liked him. He was kind of the interesting one to me. Ananobi? He, he clearly is not another ball handler. He, he can make threes, but that is a defensive addition. It's elite. And it, that, the defense that was is elite. that was what I wondered. Like, is that guy good enough to kind of empty your uh, your coffers and give up everything else that you have? Um, and I think the answer might might be no. Like, you know, I don't I don't know if that's the right answer. But it's the, that push and pull that I've had. And I, I agree with you. Like, Murray, it's the combination of what they can do this season. Whether that's a small move. I mean, Murray, one first round pick, they would still have stuff to trade after that. And Murray's contract is not so onerous to the point where like you might be able to still use the cap most space. is 25 million a year that's I, not bad he, here's my my thing i trust daryl morey to maximize both this season and what they can do with with the cap space next offseason what they can do with the picks what they can do with the cap space i would prefer if a lot of that work gets done this season because hey man like yeah we're, we're in this season right now this team is really good i would <laughs> like to see them them go for it but he obviously has to keep you know the next three years uh, on his mind as well. Um, I mean, I, I know I'm uh, I'm preaching to the choir here, and I'm hitting a little too close to home. If you could get Laurie Markkinen or uh, <coughs> Mikael Bridges, um, I think that would be really cool. I don't think they're going to be able to do that, especially with the Jazz winning. Yeah, <sighs> they're they're playing right. really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I wouldn't bet on Kale getting traded either. So you know, I, I think you kind of are looking at more complimentary pieces. But and we've I, talked about Terry Rozier is another name that we've talked about. What are your thoughts on that potentially? Well, ball I mean, handler, but and, and defensively, it, not so much. Yeah, and I think it would be tough to play him and Maxi together. Um, obviously, but like has has had some good playoff moments. Has had had some good playoff moments against the Sixers. Scary Terry. But now uh, look at what Nurse did before, though. Now Kyle Lowry was certainly a defensive guy on the perimeter, but then you have Fred VanVleet next to him, decent defender at that time. Better, like. As the seasons progressed after they won the championship, he got better as a defender and then slipped back down again. But two small guards, to your point. Yeah, really. The, the and you got the big fella behind you where they had Marcus Gasol, who was Marcus Gasol Defensive Player of the Year type of center. Of course, Kawhi Leonard was there on the wing. Siakam was a decent wing player, too. That was a great defense, man. Right. Now, you don't have all of those pieces here, but I mentioned that just because they have had, Nurse has had two small guards and a big that was really good behind them. That was a historically great playoff defense. I know the Sixers came very close to beating them, but that that team throughout the playoffs was historically great. Uh, Yeah, I think it's nice, too, with Joel playing this well. And and I think that the nice thing about Tyrese is you would just prefer not another small guard, but, like, I I think his superpower, and as far as a team builder like Daryl Morey can look at, like, what piece can I fit with Tyrese Maxey? You can fit a lot. Like, his ability to both play on the ball and off the ball with Joel. Like, I was thinking about this the other day, right? James Harden ran that high pick and roll with Joel really well. J.J. Redick ran the off-ball stuff. Steph Curry ran the off-ball stuff with him. Tyrese does all of those things, and he does all of them at an unbelievable level. Right. And that is such a luxury when it right. comes to what type of player do you want here? Because, like, DeJounte Murray, I think he's kind of morphed into a little bit more of an on-ball player. But the idea of him bringing the ball up 
and running Tyrese off a screen. Maybe have him come off a Joel pin down. That seems like that would be pretty tough to guard. So uh, I, I do think you know they, they might be able to find some role players. And I think there are some combinations, and Daryl can be a little bit flexible here, with how well Joel is playing, how well Tyrese is playing. I don't think there's necessarily just one answer with this. Yeah, group. we've talked about uh, Boyan Atlanta Bogdanovich. We've talked about him. And then getting a defensive guy in a separate deal. Where, like Caruso or I something love, like I that. I love Caruso. The low usage guys scare me a little bit, but yeah. man. But if you put an offensive guy in it, it's like you got that one player <laughs> all in one. Totally. Yeah, and, and mix him up with the rest of the well, rest of the unit. Well, and the, the other thing, too, is like when you look at some of the other great teams, with how well the two-man game has gone with Maxi this year, you basically have your Murray and Jokic. And, I, and I, that's why I kind of wondered about OG, where it's like, is that the Aaron Gordon trade that kind of puts you over the top? Do you have enough offense? I don't know what the right answer to that is, by the way. I, I know a lot of people you know, want more offense with this group. But I, look, I am more excited about this team than I've been in a long time. And I just think that this style of play with Maxi and Embiid playing at this level brings kind of a, a much more flexible roster that, than these guys have had. Like, as good as James Harden was offensively, you had to play one way. Obviously, we know Ben Simmons. You had to play kind of a ridiculous, antiquated way of basketball with him because of his deficiencies. Yeah. With Tyrese and Joel, I, I think there are a lot of different answers you can put together. So, uh, The women yama piece. And we'll, oh, I'm sorry. We'll get to uh, Baba Jide jumping in the Super Chat and beat Sixer statue will be him doing the uh, DX chop. We should have done that. that. That would be a great one. Is that a shirt? Well, as long as like we're allowed, <laughs> you to can't do get it. fined. No, no, we wouldn't get fined. You <laughs> can't get fined. Uh, pre appreciate that, Babajide. Uh, what do you think about him? This is the first time we got a chance to see Wembenyama, as we talked about earlier, but we didn't get a chance to really jump in on the conversation about him. Your impressions seeing him? Of course, we weren't in the building, but we saw it. We watched it. He still dropped 33, and yes, there was some lazy defensive possessions with Embiid and some of the others. That said. The guy's good, and he's, he's really good. He's, he's as advertised. You, you could hear it, too, when we were watching on TV. Like, the crowd oohed and odd probably five or six times. That one play you talked about with the <laughs> scoop shot. People yeah. were just like, wow, this is crazy. There was another funny possession where uh, <laughs> Kelly Oubre, in the middle of his bad game, he, he was standing next to Wemby, and he put his hand on top of his head, and he was like, Measuring I'm really, himself. <laughs> I'm really tall, and I go up to your shoulder, <laughs> which is, like, hilarious. But obviously a really fun player. Did you watch it all? Um, it was a Thursday night game a couple weeks ago. Did you watch them play against the Bucks? Did yes. you see that one? Yeah, where they some were of going the play, back and forth. Some of the plays down the stretch yeah. in that game, like the blocks he had on Giannis. Like, you can tell. He he struggled at the beginning of the year. He's, he's probably taken a few too many long twos. Um, as we talked about during the game, like, the Spurs did not put him in a good situation, like, playing Jeremy Sohan at, at point. You know, the Spurs, who have been kind of the gold standard NBA organization for two decades, even like the gold standard North American professional sports franchise, I think most people would say in the 21st century, it's it's them and the Patriots, right? They're one and two. Yes. I don't think they've done a good job at all with him this year, but the dude's too talented, you know, and he's starting to figure it out. I think we've seen over the last 10 games, he's like averaging like, 26 points yep. per game. He's shooting 50% mm -hmm. from the field. He's starting to take away those long twos. I love the way he ran the floor a bunch, too. Like, Joel was scoring a lot of points, but he got beat down the floor a couple times by Wimby. And I, 
it, I don't even think it was like super lazy Joel either. The thing is, if Wemby has a step on you, he has the biggest catch radius I've ever seen in my life where these dudes on the Spurs can just rifle the ball at the rim and he's just going to find a way to guide it home. Yeah. So I think that dude is going to be great. I don't know if he's going to be a top five player next year, but it's going to come at some point as long as he stays healthy. It's obviously, you know, we've spent our entire uh, Joel watching careers being like, you know, did he fall correctly there? It's scary when somebody goes after his legs. I was terrified. Somebody, I think Paul Reed fell near his legs tonight. And I was like, oh my God, like mm -hmm. I can't imagine being a Spurs fan and dealing with this every night. I mean, they put him on a, a minutes restriction because he rolled his ankle and I, yep. I kind of get the, the caution a little bit there. Yeah. So I just super talented dude. And I, I can't wait to watch him play the Sixers again. Yeah. He's fun to watch. Crazy talented. Uh, the fact that he can do the things that he did that Rich and I were talking about with that scoop shot that we all saw. And B was standing up, Statue, Statue of Liberty style, up both hands. And he just reached around with his left, not even his right, his offhand, scooped it, made it. Tobias Harris was in the vicinity too. And you could kind of see their faces like, what the hell are we supposed to do with that? Does that. And the other thing that impresses me, guys, outside of the fact that he can run the floor the way that Rich just talked about was, is also this. The way he can step out on the perimeter, the way that he can do the things with the dribble between the legs, step back and shoot that three. We see him bead. And um, who was the other player? Anthony Edwards with the off the glass, throw the backboard ball off the he's, glass and dunk it. He's going to do that 30 times. He did it last week. And it was like, yo, you know, what, what was that? And he did it where he could like double pump it because he's so tall and, and do that. By the way, Jalen Brown tried it with the first possession for the Celtics. I think it was on like Sunday and he, he missed it. But the guy just has so much talent and the way that he does it, the fact that he can do it from inside, outside, off the bounce, gets in the rim, knock down his free throws, the way that he defends on the perimeter, even not even just the rim. I'm talking about the perimeter. He gets into that amoeba style defense and the crouching Andre Iguodala type of defense. And now what are you going to do with that? Yeah, you might have a step on him, but you go ahead and try to scoop it. He's pinning that yeah. or putting that in the fifth row underneath the basket because of how good he is. The guy's super talented, may not win rookie of the year because Chet Holmgren is having such a great season with one of the best teams in the NBA. And Chet has been really good. Slipped off, you know, a little time there, but he's been so good. When Minyama may not, may not win the rookie of the year, but this guy's going to be so good if he can stay healthy. Once he add on, adds on the muscle and the pounds that Rich mentioned earlier, the guy's going to be able to hold it. He can already hold his own. Even, even then he's going to be able to hold his own even, even more. Even when he's getting pushed around, like he's still recovering for blocks because he's so long. He's still scoring over people. And, and once that center of gravity gets a little bit stronger and you can't knock him off his spot that easily, it's just like, let's watch out. Now, the, the one thing I will say as a question for him moving forward, his shooting has not been great this year. And I think... Going back to his team in France, he didn't really shoot the three ball that well either. It looks great. Like, you know, he... That's, he makes, that's, what, at, that's what matters to me. It looks good. Yeah. It's early in his career. And I haven't seen... I think a, a lot of people will tell you, look at the free throw percentage, because that's often predictive if, if the three-point shot isn't there. Sure. But if sure. they shoot a good percentage from the line, and I assume he shoots a good percentage of the line, because, yeah, he's shooting around 80% this yeah, year. Yeah, he's a good look, look great tonight. Yeah, no problem. Um, 
And you saw it, like, in the first five minutes, he makes two right away. He does one where he brings the ball up the floor, stops on a dime, and shoots that three. Like, there was a play where Kelly Oubre fouled him, and we were laughing about what a bad foul it is because you're not blocking that shot. Just get out of his way. Of course he's going to jump three <laughs> he, feet forward because he's that big. He didn't want to give up big. the two. He said, I got I to let this guy know. Don't come in here, man. It yeah. may not be in B blocking, but I'm blocking it. Uh, Ash with the super chat jumping in with the conversation again. Says, uh, Sixes need the right role players look at the nuggets uh clear pecking order uh my deadline goal don't trade for anyone boston feels uh, good uh helping off of i agree with that i mean because they're seems like th- they did what mb did against uh, the spurs tonight where they employ porzingis as that helper and obviously that was rob williams last year i don't think porzingis is quite as good of a help defender as rob williams but he's a much better offensive player so i think in the aggregate that uh, that is a good point, Ash, and that's a little bit what worries me about Caruso. Kind of those low usage guys. Like I need somebody if if they leave that person wide open from the corner, that person needs to do the the Grant Williams against the Bucks in Game Seven, where that that guy's going to take twenty threes. Yeah. Um, so I don't know who that exact player is, and that's why even when we talk about, I'll, I'll use the example of Terry Rozier, where I mentioned him defensively, it's a small backcourt and all of that, but you know the guy can also give you twenty on any given night. He might give up 15, but he's going to give you 20. So is that five points going to make a difference in helping to win the game? Because, all right, Maxie's going off. Rozier's going off. Harris might be. And B, you got to take somebody away. Uh, but if they dig in defensively with how they do it, is it enough where Rozier can just score the basketball on the other end where you're talking about an offensive threat that they cannot lag off of? They can try to put a different type of defender on him, sure, but guess what? They have to put that defender on him. Yeah. Be- otherwise, he's going to cook you. That's not the ideal one, but it's just as an example, if that's the worst-case scenario, you know that you're getting an offensive punch from that guy and putting others in their right spot. Let's say De'Anthony Melton's probably in that deal, but Kelly Oubre is still here. He's still coming off the bench. He's not starting. And you're still getting that score punch off the bench with Kelly Oubre. Yeah, definitely. And, and, and something like that. Now, Bogdanovich is bigger, so if he eventually became your starter, it's a different thing, and he's a good ball handler, good size, and cer- can certainly shoot the basketball. But it may not be perfect, perfect, but it might still be a good enough player to help them get over that hump. Well, and you mentioned, too, it might not be perfect. That's like... Because we're asking for perfect, perfect. Well, well, that's the thing, too. Everybody, when they talk about team building... Paul like, George is perfect. Yeah, exactly. Like, right. But he's not available. Right. So Now we're marking his perfect. I, I think Mikhail, Mikhail, perfect. Mikhail would be perfect. Right. But if those guys aren't available, and you know, I think you have to try and find players with some deficiencies that you think you can paper over, right? And Terry Rozier might be that. The, the one thing I, I will say about... What I want from the Sixers at the trade deadline. I, by the way, I have loved the Patrick Beverly experience this year. Like he makes me laugh every night. I think he's played really smart basketball. When they give him the lane for some of those floaters, he actually makes them. He steps up and shoots the threes when they go under. I have really enjoyed him, and I was, uh, I was prepared to actually dislike him because he has not been quite as good mm-hmm. in his last stops. That said, I, I think you need another ball handler in the playoffs. Like I think when when Tyrese sits those ten minutes, we used to always talk about the eight minutes when Joel sits. You need the backup center. I think you need a real ball handler in those minutes. It's just those lineups feel very aimless, even if Joel is cooking in those minutes. It just doesn't feel like he's getting the ball in his spots at the same level. Um, so that that would be my hope, and I think that player can be acquired for a lot less. 
Let me ask you about one because Justin jumped in. The super chats are just rolling in. Thank you, everybody. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Go get me Brogdon. Justin says, Justin, thank you, man. Really appreciate it. I was just watching them the other night because they were playing the Nets. So yep. I'm watching. That was the, one of their first games on the road trip. I think it might have been their first game on this road trip. And they were playing the Nets, and Ma- Malcolm Brogdon comes in, and Malcolm Brogdon does what Malcolm Brogdon does. And Malcolm Brogdon backs you down. He can take you off the dribble, gets physical, puts his shoulder into you, dips in, finishes at the rim, very under control, can shoot, step back jumper. And that's a threat, of course. The only thing that we've talked about is the issues, are the issues that we've heard, Justin, about how he uh, polices the locker room a little bit too much, <laughs> uh, to say that mildly. And that's, that's the only thing, Justin, that has gone from locker room to locker room to locker room. Uh, can't imagine that that has not happened in Portland. Haven't heard much about Portland. It was more of Milwaukee, Indiana, and um, and and Boston. And, and Boston. Yeah. So, I I love the player. I, I wanted him when he came out of Virginia. They, the Sixers had three first round picks at that point. They took Furkan, Korkmaz, and Timothy Wawu Cabarro at twenty four and twenty six. <laughs> and I remember having I said this before on the yeah. show. Some of those I was ca- some this, of those Colangelo drafts at the boy. The, you didn't have to take two for him. I didn't take another. Pase- I mean three Pase- three. Pesetchness the next year. <laughs> oh my god! He traded up for him at twenty five. Well, remember and, that? Yes. Yeah, he well, traded up well, into the first round. Well, I mentioned this. Goodness in, gracious! In my, in my newsletter the other day, which by the way, go read that. All, all PHLY the newsletter. If you like even two of the teams, if you, I would imagine most of you are four for four. Two of the teams, you will get the the newsletter for free in uh, in your email inbox every day. Please do that. But I, you know, Derek mentioned it the other night on the pod that. Markel Fultz was kind of part of getting that Pesetchness pick back, and the Pesetchness pick ended up being Tyrese Maxey. So do not say that Markel <laughs> Fultz did not contribute to winning in Philadelphia. He's the name that we brought up in the trade. Would you do that? Uh, what is this contract? One more year. This, well, is, this is the year. I think he's the a free year. agent after this one. Yeah. I, just, I don't love his, his lack of shooting. But, but he's like, not afraid to shoot it. But he would, I mean, obviously, like, defensively, he'd be a nice fit with Tyrese. He could play. Brogdon, I, I think my issue with him is I'm looking at it right now. He's got another year left on his contract. So, like, big numbers. does, that, um, does that eat into your cap space next year? I, I don't know what the right answer is on that. Obviously, Malcolm Brogdon has always been, like, he's just, like, a super smart and crafty offensive player. Is that a let-me-see-what-they-gave-up-for type of player? Yeah. Because you know the player you're getting. So is it more of what did they give up and I'll reserve my judgment until that happens kind of thing? Yeah, and, and also just what could they get in the offseason too? Like, but again, as we have talked about, the, the great options, like the star-level players, those are dwindling, right? They, they actually don't exist anymore after Siakam, which is – I thought it was absolutely fine that they, they didn't want to go after Siakam. I just – I was I, fine with that. I didn't yeah. love the fit. I, I really yeah. like his fit in Indy, I think, with Miles. We all do. With Miles yes. Turner. I, I just think that's the right team traded for him. Right. The Sixers are, are not the right team, I don't think. Uh, but when he got off the board, I was like, all right, we have Paul George, who – is not going anywhere. DeJounte Murray, shoot to the top. And LeBron James, not going anywhere. <laughs> right. To the point where, dude, you look at some of these, like, 2024 free agent lists, it's like, number one, Tobias Harris. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a and good And I wonder group. what his number is going to be. By the way, here's my argument De- for Brogdon, De- too. Detroit is going to throw a bag at him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Monty's all for that. All, yeah. all for getting up you, the 28 wins. Uh, yeah. you, you and Kyle, we weaves, man. <laughs> 
<laughs> I haven't been I haven't been on this year as, as my You've three year. You've got a lot to say. Man. Twenty, they broke the record. But my, um, my three year Troy Weaver, what the hell is this guy yeah, doing? Has, with a has, job, has, right? Has really. Uh, Here's I mean, my thing with Brogdon, because you, to your point about what could they get in the offseason. I don't know what they could get as a backup point guard. I don't know either. But here's one thing I do know. The Clippers were willing to do what they did and acquire James Harden. Both teams won, by the way. They got two good players. Yeah, players that helped them themselves yeah. out. Clippers look fantastic right now. They're doing very, very well. They're playing great. I was ticked off that they had a 22-0 run to come back and win the other day. Yeah, I was looking at that score yeah. watching football, and then I, then I looked at it, it an hour good, later. man. a 22-0 run to win the game. I'm not getting into that. But <laughs> they did, though trade for Malcolm Brogdon before everything happened. Yeah. And when he, you know, they failed the physical and all that stuff. So that's another piece. Would he pass the physical and all? Portland was willing to do it because they just needed to do what they needed to do to get Damian Lillard out there. But let's say he passes the physical and you don't know what you're going to be able to get in the offseason as far as a backup point guard. Is he, even at that number, okay because of what you also might get in Murray or someone else that comes in to help out, you might not get a better player. Yeah, I mean, 20, that's not max level For catch one base. year. Yeah. That, by the way, you could trade that too yeah. if it doesn't work out for you. And, and you don't have, you know, to deal with the long-term ramifications of, you know, like a Zach Levine level contract. Like that's, that'll expire off your books. And, Which you know, no maybe, one is talking about anymore. Yeah, nobody in the whole league is talking yeah. about it anymore. But, yeah, it's, it's like you said. You get two good shots with them, right? You get them for the rest of this year for a playoff run, and then you get them for a full year next year. So I, I think Malcolm Brogdon kind of belongs on a winning team. I, what's been funny about this, Devon, is that the, the bottom five teams in the league this year, they stink. It's unbelievable. <laughs> and these teams aren't even tanking, man. It's crazy. Let's, let's talk about the worst teams in the league, everybody. Detroit, Washington. Portland, San Antonio, and is Memphis the other one? Just because of the John Morant stuff. Detroit, Washington. Charlotte. 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 I mean, those teams. And look, as Sixers observers, fans in the chat, everybody, we are experts in bad basketball, right? We have seen what it is like when a team is built to absolutely suck. These teams, through sheer incompetence, Try most of them trying to at least be like a play-in team are all worse than those Sixers teams. Like Detroit, what is their record right now? They they are under the ten win pace right now. That is They are four and thirty-nine. Four and thirty-nine, folks. Forty-three games in the books. And and I like that, you know, we mentioned the Spurs doing a bad job with Wemby. I like that kind of most NBA Twitter, you know, Reddit, the whole community, the podcast community has has called them out and been like, this is embarrassing. You have a generational player, and you have one point guard on the roster, and you're not even going to play him in the starting lineup, they deserve a ton of shit for that. And trust me, I love Brett Brown. Uh, I love the moment with him and Joel after the game. I'm, I'm sure it's mostly Pop's fault. But it is funny to see this organization that I think many considered the gold standard just in terms of winning championships, really the gold standard in terms of player development. You know, Manu and... And Parker and Kawhi, those are some of the, the great player development stories. I know they probably got a little bit fortunate with those draft picks, but they deserve some credit for turning them into stars as well. I don't know what the hell they're doing did with you, these guys Did you now. see the episode? Because I know you watched, but did you see the episode when we played, could you play for the Sixers? <laughs> <laughs> we pulled out some names from the Wizards. 
Could you play for the Sixers? It was the Wizards. We stayed with three teams, really. Well, two teams, really, and we just added a couple of them. It was fun. We had a great time. Bree did a phenomenal job with it. It was the Wizards, the Pistons. It was during their streak, so we brought it up. And I think it was Portland, maybe. We brought up a couple of names from the Blazers. So we just started eliminating the top guys that we knew could absolutely play for the Sixers. But then we just ran off some of the Killian Hayes. Could you play for the Sixers? No. No. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Marvin Bagley, who's, by the way, playing well for Washington since he's been traded. It doesn't mean anything, but uh, playing well. So, yeah, we had DeLon Wright. Yes, Jay puts in there DeLon Wright. We brought DeLon Wright. Of course DeLon Wright could play uh, for the Sixers as a backup yeah. point guard. He yeah, play, yeah, absolutely. He's good size, good defense. The outside shot is not there, but the guy's under control, can run a team, can pass, can make an entry pass, can finish at the rim, those types of things. But... That's how, yeah, they're really, really bad. Really bad. And you brought it up earlier. It's not this lot guy in the draft. No, they're not trying to tank. Most no. of them. I think, I think Portland and Washington, I'm not saying they were like, they weren't Sixers tanking, but it was like a mini tank where they're like, we got to hit the reset button. We've, we've loaded up on picks. In Portland's case, in Washington's case, they didn't really load up on picks because they screwed the Bradley Beal thing up. They should have traded him probably three years before they actually moved him. Uh, but they're like, we're resetting. We're moving to a new era. Those other three teams, I mean, they have. It's bad. It's bad, man. It's it's, it's really bad. Money Mars says, I don't know if I want Wizards stank on this team anymore. Tyus Jones, DeLon Wright, we've oh. talked about a lot. And Tyus Jones, a couple of weeks ago, was reported that that he wasn't, um, well, they wanted too much. And that's where Kyle was uh, disappointed in all of that. But DeLon Wright, I brought up Corey Kispert uh, at the time because I like Kispert shooting. He's sure. like 6'6", six, 6'5", six, 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 six. And when you, when you watch him, he actually plays like a normal brand he of basketball. He plays hard. Yeah, yeah like, he's limited for what he is. But his skill set for what he does and what the Sixers could use, that would work well on this basketball team. So to the point of you don't want that stink on your team, I think they would be rejuvenated. There's a getting couple, out of there. There's a couple guys who would be rejuvenated, but man, like Kuzma, who I think at a time like contributed to great teams. I don't know. I, 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 you They're know. talking to Kings and stuff like that for him. I'm like, really? You want to mess with that? Well, and I, I do mm. wonder like if there is a little bit of a uh, a period where you have to get reacclimated to playing NBA basketball. You know, it, how many times can you be on the court and watch Jordan Poole? Do something that oh I would gosh. I would describe as more performance art than actual basketball, um, because it's so funny and so ridiculous and so bad. Uh, how long does it take you to acclim- uh, acclimate to be like, oh yeah, we're actually gonna like try and win the game and like do normal things and pass and cut yes. and then yes. and play uh, you know with like legitimate stakes. I, I think Kispert is an example. I, th- I think Tyus Jones is an example too. Sure. There are definitely some guys, but. Probably the guys who have had the ball on that team. I don't. That's the wizard stank right there. That's Kuzma no and, and Pool. No, thank you. Everybody else, maybe, but not not those guys for sure. By the way, part of the reason we're still going, and as as a media member, I know you had to do your show a lot, so you weren't always down there. Yeah. As somebody after a Joel Embiid great game, <laughs> somebody who sits in that post game interview room oh, waiting for him. I, I feel for Kyle. We knew exactly what it was. Yeah. We he, knew, I knew exactly what it was. After a 70-point game, he is taking his dear sweet time. He is, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's probably getting, he's getting treatment. You know, he's talking to people back there. He is milking it, man. You know, but you know what's funny? I used to get really mad about this. We used to laugh like a pick. Seriously, Joel, 7 o'clock game. I'm getting home at midnight. What, what the hell is going on? Some of the other visiting reporters like Tatum and Kawhi were like, 
twice as bad. Oh, are they really? They were like they were like two hour waits. So oh, really, um, but that was something that I always appreciated. I didn't love a lot of things about Ben Simmons' game. That dude, after the game was over, he was ready to go, ready to talk in his locker, get out of here quickly. Joel does so many great things. He does not get to the podium very quickly. And we thank everybody for hanging with us here. We're going to stick around because we do want to hear from Kyle after a historic performance by Joel Embiid again. 70 points, 18 rebounds. He was trying to get 20. I'm just calling it for what it is. He was trying. We've seen this before. You want to call it stat padding, chasing those those boards and all that. He got the rebound, folks. He was getting those rebounds. But that said, 70 points, 18, a new franchise record. Sixers franchise record. We know about Wilt Chamberlain's 100 points. That was a part of the Philadelphia Warriors. Um, So with this 70 by Embiid, he did that, and that's a new Sixers record surpassing his career high of 59, which he was trying to get with the 60. And then San Antonio just wouldn't go away. So, hey, why not keep the guy in there? And what he did was go out there again and drop 70 in the game. Carl Anthony Towns tried to duplicate it. He got 60. Uh, all right, you know, whatever. I'm not knocking it because I've never scored 60 points in a game. But, even, hey, even, man. Even when Carl Anthony Towns has the greatest game of his career, he gets overshadowed. He gets by overshadowed Jones. once again. He's sliding into that back, that secondary role, understanding the alpha oh, of that team very well. I give I, him credit. I think he's Because for a while, I thought he was reluctant to give it up. It was like, no, man, you don't have a choice. So just be a good number two, make the all-star team, and get your team to the playoffs. I think he's having a great season. He and, is. And making the, the All-star Gobert, conversations. Making yeah. the Gobert pairing work. Like, Rudy makes that work defensively. Which I thought was a bad deal. Still bad because you gave it's, up five first-round still picks. bad. They gave up way too much stuff. But, but like, the look, they are, they are an elite team this year, and they deserve credit for that. And a lot of that is because they're huge and they play great defense. And, yep. And Cat has made the offense work. I, their offense is, is still pretty worrisome when you kind of view them through a championship-level lens. But still, like in terms of making that trade, if you're going to have a team that looks like it's going to get out of the first round and, and have a chance to make some noise in the West, he's he has played really well. But he is also somebody who Joel has has dominated throughout his career. Both it's, of them. I Kyle said it the other night, um, and now now Wemby add him to the list. Like a guy like Wendell Carter Jr., I just feel bad for that guy. Like that guy is a good player. He's just a nice, solid, average center. You know, he's probably like the. 16th, 17th. And he's better than Goga, but it's just the starting for what they do. Jamal Mosley decided he needs to come off the bench. And, and there's just, it, it doesn't matter who you are. Like, if a center goes up one on one against Joel, he's going to be, you know, pulling his hair out like a couple plays into the game. Yeah. It's just going to be frustrating. You yeah. Know, so. You wonder if he can go to some place like Oklahoma City, maybe start for them, give, take some of the pressure off of Chet next yeah. to him, that kind of thing. I have a couple of questions for you. First, in the chat, we had a couple of people bring it up, and my apologies because we've had so many people jumping in. Uh, Herb Jones. It was a report that Herb Jones might be available. They want a first-round pick the Pelicans uh, would want for him or multiple first-round picks. He's a damn good wing defender. Matisse-level type conversation when it first started, but you can also feel comfortable leaving him on the floor because he's that good. He's a better finisher around the rim. He's a better offensive player. Better yeah. offensive player. His outside shot is not good like Thibault's, but he will take that shot, and he can do so many other things, run the floor, finish. If he was made available, as reported, I'd depending be, on the number, would you be interested in that? 
I would be very interested in that because I think he is that type of like elite. I think I think his nickname is not on Herb. You know, like you're not scoring on Herb, basically. And we we've seen him. That's a dope nickname. We've seen him battle. Kev with, says, "Do it now." <laughs> we've, yes, Kev. We've seen him battle with Devin Booker in the playoffs, and yeah, I think he's. And a he bit, was a rookie that year. Yeah, you know, and obviously he's a four-year college player, so he is. You know, if that's like a one first-round pick. Deal. Now I wonder what his next contract is like. I think he signed already. Oh, he is already. Like oh, four, that's right. That's right. He signed like the that. sneaky extension. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. he did. Yeah. Okay. So you're good. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Good. But, but Kyle's get here. to your point. But I would be. I would be very interested. And the one thing too is like, a couple years ago, remember after the the Heat loss in 2022, the Sixers were like, we can't have one way players anymore, and we need we need to have guys who can can stay on the floor on on both sides, and that's why they also traded traded Thibel, uh I, I think at this point, though, after last year, you also just see if Joel is playing at this high of a level and it's mostly a one-way player, a guy who can survive just enough on, on his weaker end of the floor like Herb, I, I think that is something that could be a huge value add. I mean, imagine going into a playoff series and being able to throw him at Jason Tatum. I think that could make a massive difference. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's get to the arena. You can read his work, of course, outside of being on the podcast with us on the daily basis. You can read his recap. A historic game. Make sure you go read the recap. AllPHLY.com. Kyle Newbeck in the building. We were simply talking about, oh, Joel against Wembenyama, rivalry week, and it's going to be fun to see the two go against each other. You got a 70 spot tonight, Kyle. Fellas, I, I just have one question for you guys to open the segment here. Is Derek ever allowed back on the show? No. Uh, are, 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 we sure that, <laughs> are we sure that Rich is not the permanent alongside Devon guy at this well, point? That's, after listen. being the bad luck, being the good luck is, is <laughs> nice for one man. Quite a turn of events. But, uh, yeah, guys, I mean, look, I'm sure it was – special just watching that on tv and we've seen a lot of dominant joel games but it was in a weird way it was cool to be there to see people mad at other people taking shots like for joel to be <laughs> that deep into a dominant performance the daniel house is just getting skewered and booed by the fans because he had the audacity to take a corner three and an open corner three at that. It wasn't even like that was a... Kyle, don't forget the one in the middle of the floor. Don't forget the drive in the uh, middle well, where he got fouled. That one... The, the, that one's different. Yeah. That the, one, there's no justification. Give up the ball. <laughs> like, Rich tweeted during the game. Read the room, buddy. Like, that was... Unbelievable. Come on. But, the, but I mean, what a special, special performance. On top of that, like, seeing him and Brett and Cove and Ferk, like, guys who spent time together years and years ago at the beginning of you know all of this before the Sixers were who they are today like a perennial 50 win team it was a really cool full circle moment and I know Joel was really happy that Brett was able to be part of it albeit on the the losing side of it (laughs) He was but, able to be part of it, just watching his team get his ass kicked. Yeah, well, they've been doing it all year, so it's not yeah, a big deal. Not, yeah. uh, Kyle, I, I wanted to ask this because we talked about it, the difference between the Knicks game, where you went off, and this one, where it was different. We heard the crowd reaction because they clearly knew, they read the room. They knew what was, what was up uh, for with the 59 trying to get uh, surpassing the 60 and eventually getting to the 70. But just also your thoughts on the entire thing of him coming back into the game. But then everybody around you, because we all know what it was like after the Knicks game and the fact that while this game seemingly was already in hand, we knew what the magnitude everything of everything was tonight. 
No, actually, funny you asked that, Devon. I asked Tyrese Maxey in the locker room. I said, look, when you come in, start of the fourth quarter, and you know Joel's got 59, and I know winning is the top priority, is there any small part of you that's just sitting there thinking, like, we can't let this get out of hand. Like, this guy's got to come back in so he can go for 65, 70. And Tyrese was pretty honest. He was like, you know, there was that part of you, you're fighting it. It's like, you know, you don't want to give the lead back, obviously. We want to win the game and see it out and not pull a Carl Anthony Towns tonight who lost getting his 60-plus in Minnesota (laughs) against the shitty Charlotte team. So they were walking that line, right, where they're like, we're not trying to miss shots. We're not trying to screw things up. But – you do want to see your guy be able to come back in. And Devon, to your point, like, I do think this is very clearly a special case, right? Like, there are only so many of these type of games. There was actually a conversation in the media room after the game. You know, do you think this is Joel's high bar ever? Like, is this the ceiling? And I was like, yeah, I mean, (laughs) I don't know how you could expect them to clear 70 in another game. And what adds to it, as a lot of the big performances have been this year, City did it against Wembenyama, who played really fucking well for, you know, all things considered, scores 30-plus and made Joel work from the mid-range a little bit. And just like another example of, I know I've hammered this on the show. Yes, this isn't like a big team matchup, but the people who are like, oh, Joel's only playing bums or whatever. Joel is excited to play these type of guys. He loves the litmus test games, the big stage type games. Even if the Spurs stink, and they do, and they were going to win this game by a million points, basically regardless of what happened, Joel looks at these guys who are his peers, and he wants to separate himself on the floor. And that's a big reason. It's the biggest reason that this team is at where it's at and why they are a automatic 50-win team with him on the floor and healthy. Kyle, um, we've always talked about when we were at the games together, we would always talk about guys who are more fun to watch live than, than on television, you know, kind of guys when, when you are behind the basket at court level, which is pretty good media seats where the Sixers sit you, uh, you know, we always used to say, if you remember, Kemba Walker was always more fun to watch in person. Just the the angles, Charlotte Kemba Walker, not not Boston Kemba Walker, but Charlotte when yes. he was when he was at the peak of his powers. Uh, how was Wemby? I, I think that had to be kind of a, a pretty jarring experience to watch. Oh, listen, there was some hooting and hollering on, on press row about Wemby, like the the standing finger roll that he had over oh Joel in the first half. With the left hand, he had the one. I don't know if this came across the same way on TV. He had a tip in in the second half where. He barely, he like, I don't know if he fully caught it. He just kind of like one arm palmed it and put it back in <laughs> off the backboard. Like just a lot of stuff where it's like the guy didn't even get off the floor or is like on his tiptoes and he's dunking or making some ridiculous shot. And on top of that, like this guy's what, seven four or whatever he is. And he hits two off the dribble threes to start the game. It's like, this guy's an alien. So... And Joel, I will say, too, he got asked a few Wemby questions after the game and offered, you know, nothing but praise for him. Said it's like clearly special player, special prospect, all that kind of stuff. And Wemby said during his availability, like, it's inspiring to see, you know, another big do something like that. Like, that gives him motivation to keep going. And Joel kind of made it full circle where I'm sure you guys are aware this is the anniversary of Kobe dropping 
81 back in the day, which Joel found out about. He's like, you know, I looked up to Kobe growing up and like he inspired me in many ways to chase the player that I became. And so if he, he said, if I can give that back to Wemby at all with this stuff and, you know, what I've done over the last few years, like that really, he feels honored and excited by that. So very cool. Like one of the cool things about these last few years for Joel is he's dropped a lot of the, like the petty big man wars. And you can tell that like with Jokic, with Wemby tonight, a lot of the other guys at or near the top of the league that he really respects and loves that there are a lot of great big men, you know, kind of carrying the league right now. That's that's a great point. I mean, and especially too because the the petty big man wars were with worse players. It was with Drum. It was yes. with Boogie Cousins. <laughs> like like he's playing against the the top guys in the league now, which is really impressive. So I think as as everybody can tell, another another timely Joel media session afterwards. I'm sure I'm sure you uh, you brought the laptop to the media room after that one to get some get some work done. Any any highlights from what he said? I, you mentioned that he he talked about Wemby, but were there any other moments that stuck out? No, I mean, like, he was sort of like, I come into every game the same way. Like, I, I'm sure there was a point tonight where he looked up and was like, all right, it's, it's halftime and I've got 34. And I think that's, Nick Nurse alluded to that. He said, you know, we came out of halftime and we, we were pretty confident this was a Joel night. And then he rips off five points in the first minute of that quarter and the whole team's antenna is up. Uh, the other one thing that really stood out was I feel like we've said this a lot on the show. Tyrese Maxey, first thing he says at his locker tonight was that he hopes people are not taking this for granted and that it's not just like step outside the team and even Philadelphia said like there's been a lot of people kind of raining on Joel's parade because of games he's missed and what have you. But this is like all-time elite-level basketball. It was one of the best seasons up to this point than any basketball player has ever had. And Joel has kind of stepped around that stuff, saying he's like, I, I come in, I'm about the right things. Honestly, one of the funniest things, which he sort of acknowledged during his, his post game, he didn't warm up tonight. He showed up to the arena and just dropped 70. <laughs> Like, essentially, like, like oh, you know how we used to say Jaleel Okafor rolls out of bed and gets yeah, 20 and yeah. 10? I think Joel Embiid literally rolled out of bed and dropped 70 fucking points today, which is the most insane but also most Joel Embiid thing ever. Like, I, I kid you not, I was sitting there at 45, which is, that's his mark. He comes in and does his pregame shoot. Gets down to 40, I'm like, is he going to be a late scratch? 35, <laughs> they bring in, it's like some dance team from some local college. And I'm like, oh, fuck, he's, this is like a real situation now. We might not get Embiid versus Wemby. So I go and talk to, you know, people with the Sixers. I'm like, yo, what's up with Joel? And then the starting lineup gets sent out, and he's in there. And I was like, man, I hope this isn't just like a sleepwalk, stink it up game. And he dropped 70 fucking points. He's so walking you know, to 70. I, you just, that's the, the beauty of covering the skies. You just never know what's going to happen. Uh, you so. mentioned Maxi, and of course, Nick Nurse. Uh, any, any opportunity to speak to any of the other players here, what they had to say? I know you're running around, so you, you couldn't really get to the Spurs yeah. or even Popovich, but anyone else you hear from? So talked briefly to Daniel House, who, in so many words, <laughs> was essentially like, 
I give a shit about the team and nobody else. So it's uh, as long as my brothers are with me, that's that's all that matters to me. And oh, Joel and Joel also defended D House a little bit. It's like he's open. He's they're they're yelling back and forth across the locker room. So that was fun. Uh, other than that, though, Nick Nurse took a while after the celebration to get out here. So locker room had mostly cleared out. It was a lot of Nick and Tyrese and Joel. And other than that. Just little bits and pieces from different guys. But, yeah, the house essentially saying, fuck the world. I, my teammates got me. was uh, a definite, definite highlight of the locker room. That means he, he was on social media at, doing it in his locker, looking on social media, seeing what they were saying. Well, Kyle, let's not sell ourselves short because we're like women yama in this office with, with our little tykes basket. So we know what it feels like to uh, do what women yama does in the office. I don't think I could drop 70 on a little tyke hoop, let alone on a NBA <laughs> Definitely floor. Couldn't. So, uh, uh, listen, guys, uh, I'm glad that I was here. Derek somehow missed out on this. I know he's happy birthday to Derek, obviously. I'm sure he had a, a great day taking off. But uh, I'm sure there's a part of him that is a little bit jealous that we all sat and witnessed a piece of history tonight. Well, I'm sure we'll talk a lot about it tomorrow when us three will get together again at 2.30 uh, tomorrow. Man, Kyle, again, appreciate it. Thanks for uh, staying up for us and hanging in there. And we, we couldn't finish this one without talking to you about this. Make sure you go read Kyle at allphly.com. Check out the recap. Check out all those quotes, those great points that he had uh, in his story. And make sure you go check it out. Kyle, we'll see you tomorrow, man. Be safe. See you again. Get home safe. Thanks, yeah. man. Appreciate it. Kyle Newbeck, again, from the arena. And... Uh, D house, perfect, man. It's like he's like game five in Boston. It's that same mentality. Game five in Boston, Joel. Let's do it. Sitting on sixty-eight. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to the basket, man. Let's do it, yo, man. That is hilarious. Great stuff, man. Really, really, really appreciate it. But Tyrese Maxey said again, like you talked about earlier. Just recognize what you're watching, man. We can nitpick. We can nitpick at a lot of things during an 82-game season. There's a lot of basketball played for 82 games, 48 minutes, Tuesday nights, bad games, Wednesday night, bad opponents, great opponents, all of it wrapped up into an 82-game season. Aesthetically, it may not be what you want to see. It may not fit the profile of what you want to look at as a basketball game for every 82-game season. Now, I understand it's about building the good habits, making sure the culture is right, the trust in the teammates and running the plays, and, and all of that that goes into, again, an 82-game season. But what we witnessed tonight was historic. It hasn't been done by a big man, someone said, since David Robinson when he was going for the scoring record on that final day, dropping 74. And this guy, a 7'2 guy, 300 pounds, who idolized Kobe Bryant and big men as well, went out there tonight against a very, very talented, as Kyle and Rich just talked about, people, all of you in the chat mentioned how good Wembenyama is. It's un again, it's, it's overlooked a little bit because he had 33, by the way. In this loss, but Joel Embiid had a franchise record 70 points in a basketball game. But, you know, it, what else can you say? You, can, you cannot overlook that for, for what it was. It may not have been the prettiest, but it was certainly something that, hell, I wish I could have done that in a week, <laughs> in a week of games uh, that I needed to, to, to put some points on the board.
Rich, this was fun, man. This was fun, man. This was, you know, you Come show on, up. Man, we got to do this more, man. You, you, you show 70 up. It's 70. <laughs> Rich you show is up on here. a random Monday night and you, you get to see history. See, again, you show up on a random Monday night and you get history. As my man Vince <laughs> texts in and says, I feel that last part of the show is towards me. Actually not, Vince, because there's so many people who feel just like you. We'll talk, we'll talk to some other people in the office tomorrow, too. But no, Vinny, you know we love you. You know, that's always good fun, man. But 70 points is 70 points. That's not easy, man. And uh, that, 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 that's not. Rich, this was fun, man. Again, hope we get to do it again sometime soon. Uh, 41 games in the books, and they're 29 and 13. 29 and 13. It looked like for a stretch there. Even when they lose three, we're like, oh, no. But no, they're 29 and 13. I know. And, and, and it looks a, pretty good. It's the same message as Joel. Guys, the playoffs, they will happen. They happen every year. It, it, April April 15th to for the Sixers, May 15th. But hopefully it's a little longer this year. We can talk about that. We can think about that even at the trade deadline. Just enjoy this. This is crazy what we're watching every night from this guy. And from this team, it's just been really a blast to watch these guys this year. We have a ton of people to thank here tonight. Kyle's not here. We're not going to put this on, Rich. We're going to get to all the people. Let's start off with the Super Chats. We have Baba Gide, Furious, Ash, Ramid, Rick, Foster, uh, Justin, and our good friend, our teammate, our brother. One, he, was, he was standing up for us, wondering if we had 70 in the game ever. Well... Bo Wolf, we appreciate Bo checking in with the perfect 270 on the night. So we thank Bo. Then we go with a bunch of people. Let's go with Remo, Ron, uh, Rich. Saw Rich P in there. Finn, Jay of the Jungle, Ash. We talked about Marty Bones, Gracie, Gavin, uh, Rick Morris. Who else do we have? Jose, Smy Guy, Brian Knight, not Brian McKnight, Brian Knight. We have Brian in there. Randy jumping in there. Who else do we have in here? We have so many people. Dan Murphy. Uh, I saw I saw Wanda in there. I, I see Billy and Gracie. I'm, I'm going to repeat some people. Uh, Sean Sharp in there. Uh, who else? Uh, Al. The two-minute warning. What up, Al? We see Al in there. What's up, Gavin? Everybody, we see you all in there. Ramage, there's so many people. Money Mar, the hypothetical man. We see so many people in our chat. And we thank you all for hanging out with us on this late night on a random Monday where you saw 70. And you saw Rich. And we thank Rich for coming in. We appreciate Kyle. Happy birthday, Derek. Our great producer, of course, Bree. We'll be back tomorrow, 2.30. I'm sure we'll be talking a little bit more about this because Derek and Rich have to get this off their chest tomorrow. Have a good night, everybody. Be safe. We all silly like the mayor. 